Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Continuing our series called God at the Center. And what we've been working on the last few weeks is... We've just been working around this theme of how can we build our lives so that God is in the middle of it? We want to have, we want to have a life where, where we are actually orbiting around God. We want, to, we want to be caught into his gravity, as it were. Or, or maybe to put it in another way, we want to build a foundation. Just like every builder lays a good foundation and you build things on top of it, uh, we want to have a life that's built on the foundation of Jesus. We want to build our lives on the foundation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want those things to not be peripheral, but instead we want them to be uh, we want them to be central. And so over the last few weeks we've been looking at what are some ways or what are some practices that help us put God in the middle of our lives, you know? And so uh, early on we talked about a hunger and and thirst for God. Uh, we also talked about how all of our appetites are ultimately invitations to find our satisfaction in God. Like sometimes if we were honest, we'd say, you know what? I'm not that hungry and I'm not that thirsty for God. Uh, but I am hungry and thirsty for something. And sometimes those things either draw us nearer to God or maybe they, they lead us to God. But one of the things that we need to wake up to is that all of our hungers and all of our thirsts are ultimately invitations uh, to be satisfied in God. Like that's the, that's the center of what it means to have God in the middle of your life. And then, then we talked the next Sunday about prayer. You know, if you're going to have God in your life, you're going to pray. Uh, Christians pray. Uh, not only do Christians pray, but Jesus prayed. The disciples prayed. Everybody prays. And so we talked about how can you have prayer in your life? And we talked about the fact that prayer is an awakening. It's an awakening to God. It's also an awakening to ourselves. And then it's an awakening to other people. And then last week, uh, Emily talked about, Emily talked a little bit out of uh, Acts chapter 3 and about how having God in the middle of your lives, it changes the way we relate to one another, doesn't it? There's a communal aspect to having God in the middle of our lives and it changes um, how we see each other and it changes what we have to offer each other. And when we have God in the middle of our lives, just like Peter and John on the way to the temple, even, even if we're in a place of Poverty. Even if we were to say to someone, I don't have a lot of money, but what I do have is I have this connection to God and I offer it to you. And it changes the way we live in the world. And so that's part of what it means to be a God at the center. Uh, but what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about returning to the scripture. Because if you're going to have God in your life, you have got to have some kind of a connection to the Bible. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about meals and supplements. <laughs> meals and supplements. Uh, anybody in the room, anybody in the room take supplements? Candy? No, I'm just kidding. Um, just, um, who here, who here has a cabinet full of supplements though? Anybody got your vitamin D, you know, you need vitamin D. It's good for COVID. I don't know. That's what they say. It, it clearly didn't help, right? <laughs> but, but vitamin D is supposedly good for COVID. Or, or, maybe, or maybe, maybe in the morning after you have your coffee, 
and your toast, maybe you take a little, maybe you take a little multivitamin tablet or something, right? Or, or maybe you have a tub of protein powder at home that helps you get jacked, you know? Some of you go over there and get your protein powder because you're going to get Chad. You're going to get jacked. Isn't that right, Chad? Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe you have a cabinet full of supplements at home. Uh, maybe you have probiotics and you got vitamin D and you got protein powder and you take melatonin at night. And maybe you're even crazy enough that you take fish oil. You know, what I'd like to do is I'd like to squish the fish, receive all the oils out of their little tiny fish bodies. And I'd like to just, I'd like to drink it because I'm a barbarian. That's why, you know, maybe you take all of these and maybe, maybe you're like really faithful and you never forget. And, and no matter how many pills you take, how many of you know this? I mean, no matter how many pills you take, how many of you know that there's no substitute for a good meal? You know, you can take all the pills in the world, but what you need, what you need is a meal. A, a chicken breast and a sweet potato will do more for you than all the protein powder in the world. Isn't that true? It's actually true. You know, you can take your protein powder. You can take your fish oil. You can take your probiotics. And at the end of the day, the thing that's way better for you than those things is like some chicken and some rice and a green bean. You put those things together, you're, you're infinitely, infinitely better off. Um, I think Jesus said something like this, man can't live by protein powder alone. <laughs> if you reduce your diet to vitamin D tablets, if you reduce your diet to vitamin D tablets and water, guess what soon will happen to you? You'll be dead. You'll be absolutely dead. Uh, or imagine this. Imagine being really hungry, like you're starving. You know, you ever do that? Like you, how many of you sometimes forget to eat? You just like, you get up and you're like, that sometimes happens to me too. You get up and you do your thing and all of a sudden you're like, I forgot to eat. Now I'm hangry. And then imagine at your most hangry moment when what you need is a chicken breast and a sweet potato. Imagine that someone says, oh, I have the perfect thing for you. Will you please come sit down? Uh, here's your glass of water. And then they offer you a big heaping mound of vitamin C tablets. <laughs> Doesn't work, does it? It's similar with our life, our life in God as well. We have to keep the main things, the main things in order to have life and vitality. You want to have a life in God? You have to keep the main things the main things. And, and one of the main meals we need every single day is we, we need contact with the scriptures. Let me tell you, I'll just go ahead and contrast this right up front. We need contact with the scriptures every day. That's the meal. Uh, in the era that we live in now, uh, we have all kinds of other things that can come to us. Uh, we can read other books we can receive pod. I love podcasts. I make podcasts. I mean, it's like part of what I do for my job, right? We can have books. We can have podcasts. And podcasts are great because you can, you can have them in your car when you're driving somewhere or maybe when you're washing the dishes. I like to put a podcast on when I'm mowing the grass. Anybody else do that? Uh, you, can, you, can, you can receive all kinds of media. You can click on YouTube. And here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter what the content is in the book, in the podcast, or on, on YouTube. Those are supplements. It's never the meal. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who our favorite YouTube preacher is. It doesn't matter what our favorite worship album is. Man cannot live on recorded worship alone. 
I'm, I'm actually being very serious. Like you can, live, you can listen to Mav City all week long in your car. Uh, you will die. It's simply a vitamin D tablet. It will cause your spirituality to collapse. Uh, you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to, to pray as you go in the morning. I think it's actually really good. But without daily contact to the scriptures, it's like, it's like chucking vitamin C tablets into our throats and wondering, why is it that I'm still hungry? Why is it? Here's why. Because we've traded the supplements for the meals. And here's what I want to tell you. If you want to have a life with God at the center, you have to have the meal. Keep the main thing the main thing. And it is the scriptures. Here at the Vineyard, we are scripture people. We are Bible people. And uh, I want to read you some scripture so that I'm not just up here talking. I want to read you some scripture, make it legal. Uh, Reese, can you put up 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17? Ah, here we go. This is Paul to Timothy. He says, but as for you, it'd be Timothy. As for you, Tim, can, I like to just shorten it. Continue in what you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Just underline that. Which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And here's our main text this morning. All Scripture, like even the Old Testament, even Leviticus, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's what I want to do this morning I want to talk to you about returning to the scriptures, and I want to do that in three ways. I want to talk to you about number one, uh, inspired. Uh, number two, another way. I think we've got this slide, don't we, Reese? This is our outline this morning. Inspired, another way. Number three, never outgrow it. So if you're taking notes this morning, you could write it down like that. And we're going to work through this message just like that. Uh, number, number one, inspired. Uh, in chapter three, verse 16, in chapter three, verse 16, Paul tells Timothy that the scriptures are God-breathed. Some of your translations say inspired. But here's what I want you to know. Uh, the better translation there is God breathed. God breathed. When you, when you read this text, depending on the translation that you're interacting with, um, I, I, there's, a, there's a way in which we need to receive it when it comes to not just this particular text, but all of the scriptures. Paul says that they're God breathed or they're inspired. But, but here's, here's some of the problems when we first read that line about the scriptures, especially, especially with the word inspired, because sometimes if you are a Bible person, you'll hear these, you'll hear sometimes these theological conversations about the inspiration of the scripture. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Well, I, I want to talk to you just really ever so briefly about some problems with our understanding of inspired. Uh, sometimes when it comes to the word inspired, what we think is, we just think goosebumps, don't we? Oh, the, the, scriptures, the scriptures are inspired, like they, they're, they're, they either came as a result of goosebumps or they're supposed to give you goosebumps, you know? Uh, or or, or, or maybe, maybe they're supposed to make me feel a certain way. 
Well, here's what I want to tell you about the scriptures. Uh, the scriptures are inspired. Uh, they are God-breathed, even if we don't feel it. Even on the very moments that there are nose goosebumps, even on the very mornings where we read them and we're like, yeah, I don't think I got anything. They are still inspired and they are God-breathed. So we're letting go of the notion of inspiration or God's breath being goosebumps. Uh, number two, sometimes when we hear the word inspired, uh, we think about like performance. How many of you have ever watched a, a sports team, maybe on television, and the announcer says, oh, the team came, they came to play today. They were inspired. What an inspired performance by whoever, you know? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. The team was inspired. Or maybe, maybe you go to see a band and they're inspired. And here's what I want to say about that. The, the scriptures are God-breathed and they're, they're inspired. They are not a collection of God's good moments. You know? It's not like, oh, these are, these are, this is the good stuff. And then he had some other stuff that wasn't quite, some class B stuff out there. No, no, no. Something different. And sometimes when we hear the word inspired or God breathed, sometimes we get these pictures of like dictation. Sometimes we think or we imagine, we imagine that God was dictating through Paul's ear or whoever was doing the writing. And the, the reason that that's sometimes a problem is because, well, if God was talking to Paul like that, we could do this little really subtle switch in our mind. And we go, well, well, he talks to him like that, but he doesn't talk to me that way. And so maybe this is just for somebody else. You know, but here's why I like God breathed and the reason we read it as God breathed this morning. I love God breathed because it's an image of, it's an image of like an extension of God's life. One could even say that the scriptures, they are alive. In fact, that's exactly what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says that this, that the, that God's words are living and active. Uh, when you hear the phrase God breathed, I hope what you imagine in that moment is, uh, is Genesis when God breathed into Adam and made him a living soul. It's actually the exact same idea. So when Paul says to Timothy, when he says to, to, to him that the scriptures are God breathed, how many of you know that Paul actually knew Genesis and he actually had it memorized? And he's using these words because he's pulling He's pulling from those early chapters of Genesis when God breathed into Adam and made him a living soul. And he's saying something to Timothy and by extension to us as well this morning. He's saying, you know what? If you would like to be alive, then receive the breath of God. And here's how we do it. We, we do that by receiving the scriptures. The, the scriptures are always a place that we can go to receive life. Somebody say, always a place we can go. Come on, always a place we can go. Like we can always go to the scriptures to receive the life of God. Uh, here's the truth this morning. Some of us in the room are struggling or some of us in the room are just feeling blah, like, blah, you know, uh, that happens. Some of us in the room are bored. And here's what I'd like to say this morning. Return to the Bible. Return to the Bible because that's where the life of God is. Uh, some of us, maybe you'll do this little mental picture Imagine yourself uh, laying on the ground this morning and imagine, imagine it's just the form of your body, right? You know, uh, imagine, imagine yourself as that pre-breathed upon Adam, that little mud man. And, and some of you are like, oh, that's exactly how I feel this morning. Yeah. 
Well, here's how you, here's how you break out of being a mud man. Receive the breath of God. Receive the scriptures and you will receive the life of God. Ask him to bring the dead parts of you back to life. Uh, number two, another way. Uh, we, we can't just read these verses without the context of the rest of the chapter. By the way, I'm going to read you some verses now that are really hard, okay? I'm going to read you the first part of 2 Timothy chapter 3 because these words that we've already read about the scriptures being alive with the breath of God, they, they, they fall in a particular chapter. And uh, Reese, we need to put this up. Look what, look what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. He says this, But mark this, Timothy, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Maybe underline that, lovers of pleasure. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And then let's look at verses 10 through 13. This is Paul to Timothy again. He's saying, well, this is what I'm like. He's like, in these first verses, he said, well, this is, this is what people will be like in the last days. And this is Paul saying to Timothy, but this is who I am. He says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Put that one on your bathroom mirror. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. We'll stop right there. Needed to read those other verses to you to apply a little, a little bit of contrast the verses at the beginning of this chapter and then the verses at the end. Paul's instructions to Timothy saying, you know what? Remember the way you grew up. Remember the way you've known the scriptures from, a, from early age. Uh, go back to the scriptures. They're alive. They're God-breathed. But what he says at the front of this chapter is something very, very different. Paul says some stuff about people in the last days. He says... This kind of stuff. They'll be boastful, proud, disobedient, scoffing, ungrateful, disobedient to their parents. Did you guys like that little part? <laughs> oh, man. Don't you wish the Bible were contemporary? Don't, don't, you wish, don't you wish the Bible were in touch with the human condition? So we read those, we read those verses in 1 through 5, and then in, in verses 10 through 13, Paul says to Timothy, Hey, you know what I teach? You know how I've lived and you know how I've suffered. And he's contrasting his life and message with people captured by the spirit of the age. And then he gives the admonition to stick to the things that he's been taught. And he's been given um, this particular admonition, which is stick to the scriptures. And, and here's what I see this morning when I read all of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I see that the scriptures 
offer us a path out of living for ourselves. That whole list in verses one through five, Paul says in the last days, and by the way, uh, we are living in the last days. We have been living in the last days since the resurrection. And you think, well, that's been 2,000 years. Well, yeah, I mean, it has been 2,000 years. It might be another 10,000. Maybe we've only begun to wait. But here's what I know. 2,000 years on the cosmic scale is like nothing. It's, it's nothing. Yeah, we're, we're living in the last days. Jesus has already inaugurated something new. We're living in the last days. And how many of you noticed that every single thing that Paul said about people in the last days, it is so true right now. Isn't it true? Yeah. And then he says something different to Timothy at the end. And here's what I see when taken, when taken as a whole, this, this particular chapter. The scriptures offer us a way to live for something besides ourselves. Paul says the teach, the, that the scriptures teach us. In, in verses 16 and 17, he says, they show us what is wrong. They correct us. Then they also show us what is right. And then finally in verse 17, they prepare us for every good work. Well, here's what I want to say to you, church. I, I don't want to live for myself. I mean, I want to live for myself, but I don't want to live for myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to live for myself. Uh, I don't want to spend 80 years on self-indulgence and then die not having made my contribution to the community that Jesus planted me in. Let me tell you something. Without, without a plan... Without a plan to live for other people rather than myself. With, without a plan to give the contribution that God is giving me for the people that he has planted me with. with. Without a plan, without some way of being in the world, I will never do it. I will literally never do it. This only comes by having a plan. And the plan only comes by receiving the scriptures. Like we'll only have a vision for a different kind of life by entering into a different kind of life, by receiving a different kind of life. Yes, even the breath of God. I was reading this week. Uh, the average American spends, right now, this was updated just a month ago, the average American spends a little over six, hour day, six hours a day on their phone. And you think, I don't, and I just want you to go look at your screen time app, and I promise you, you do. The average American spends slightly over six hours a day on their phone. Uh, uh, the average American checks their phone 58 times a day. That actually felt low to me. I, th I think that's low. I think, the num I think that number is much higher. I think it's like over 100, right? And here's what that is. Most of that is lost time, but it is, but it is, it is, it is deeply formational. You know, imagine spending... How good would you be if you played guitar for six hours a day? You'd be amazing. That's what I want you to know, right? How good would you be at anything if you spent six hours? How good would you be at your job? <laughs> um, six hours a day on the phone is deeply, deeply formational. And, and how many of you understand that these little guys, they're not just deeply formational, but they're, they're black mirrors, aren't they? They're black mirrors. Uh, they, are, they are infinite holes of my own narcissism. That's why we like them so much, because it's a way for me to not have to talk to you, but I can talk to the world. 
and I can receive, I can receive feedback. And, and then, you know, if I don't like the feedback, I can, I can block you and I can say, not on my wall. <laughs> you know, all the things we do. It's deeply formational. And I just have been thinking this week about the ways in which these little black mirrors are like, they're, they're just, they're windows into the infinity of, of, of human narcissism in many ways, Right? Uh, they, they accentuate life on my own terms in so many ways. And there's lots of good things about technology. I'm not anti-technology. I am saying like we should probably understand what it is and what it's doing to us. And, and part of what I'm saying is, is it's deeply, deeply formational. And, and not only that, but, but our technology is allowing us to enter into uh, all kinds of stories like news cycles and, and maybe we're just finding out the things that are happening in town that we don't even really need to know about, but now we know. Like story after story after story, that's what comes up with technology. And, and here's why that's important, because, because we're formed by those stories. And, and ultimately, this is why we need contact with the scriptures, because we need contact with different stories that show us another way. Like the passage that Emily brought us last week. I've just been thinking about it all week. Like Acts chapter 3. We could riff on this. We could riff on this for an hour together, right? Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray like they did every single day. Probably passed this guy over and over again. He's like, hey, hey, won't you help a brother out? And they're like, well, I don't have any money, but what I do have is the Holy Spirit. Why don't you get up and walk, you know? Like we, we need formed by those kinds of stories. And, and what is that story? That even in your lack, God's abundance could break through, Right? That'd be one way to look at the story. Another way to look at the story is this. Uh, what, is God, what is God doing in our community about the least and the lost? You are what he's doing about the least and the lost in the community. That'd be another way to read Acts chapter 3. You know, some of us are like, Campbellsville's really screwed up. Uh, Campbellsville has uh, drug problems and poverty problems. And there's lots of kids who are not doing great at school and and we could, we could make a list, couldn't we? And we'd go, well, what's, you know, what's God going to do about that? Or what's, we, need, we need contact with a story that says, you know what? Actually, we're probably what he's going to do about it. And if he's going to do anything, it'll be us. You know? But without that, without that, I could just get, maybe I could get caught in a political story about what needs to happen in our country or in Campbellsville. And then I could be like, well, let's, let's take down the libs or... Let's beat up the GOP. And I could enter into that story. And the next thing you know is I've just divorced myself from the God-breathed story and the, and the notion that maybe what he wants to do is he wants to move through me. We need a vision of life that is different. And it comes by the Spirit of God. Mm. Here's, what happens with, here's what happens to us if we have a life without the Scriptures. A life without the scriptures will always place us at the center. A life, a life in the scriptures will put God in the middle and it'll put us in our proper place, which is always somewhere else. But without the scriptures, we end up in the center. Okay, number three, we never outgrow it. How many of you know you outgrow some things? Um, if you have kids, you know they outgrow their clothes and shoes, don't they? Come to my house. Like we just, we, we have sacks of shoes. Every six months, we just sack up shoes. Uh, I, I bet at my house, because I have four kids and they've all played soccer, I, 
bet over the years, we've bought 187 pairs of cleats. That feels conservative to me, actually, you know? That's what we do. I mean, one of the reasons that Heather and I, one of the reasons we don't have new cars is because we have to buy cleats. And one day when the kids quit playing soccer, we're going to have much better cars, you guys. Yeah, we outgrow some things, shoes, clothes. Uh, sometimes it's ideas. Uh, sometimes we outgrow theological perspectives. And in many ways, uh, those are all signs of health. You know, what you don't want, you don't want your kid staying little. You, you want them to grow up. Uh, you, you don't want your kid's feet to stay this big. You want them to grow, you know? As, as cute as they are, what you want them to do is you want them to grow. And, and aren't you glad that nobody in this room is in diapers? Aren't you glad that everybody grew out of that stage? And aren't you glad that one day you'll go back to that stage? <laughs> but there are certain things there are certain things we never outgrow, and that's our need for the scriptures. Look at verse 15. Reese, can we put that up? Look at verse 15. This is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, look, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. From infancy. So Timothy knew the Bible from his earliest days. Now Paul's writing to him as a young man. Timothy's probably, he might be late teens or early 20s at this point in his life. And then you can imagine this is coming from Paul, who is much older, right? So even in this one verse, what we're getting is we're getting this window into a whole life. You know, can I just say something to you, church? Uh, we don't need the scriptures just when we're at VBS. You know, we don't need the scriptures just over in the kids wing. Uh, we, we don't like Noah's Ark is not a kid's story. I mean, it is a kid's story, but it's not a kid's story. You know, Cain and Abel. It's not a kid's story. It's like contemporary. It's, it's, it's here in the room. Uh, the Tower of Babel, right? Not a kid's story. Now, how many of you know that one of the things that human beings want to do is we want to get to God while simultaneously avoiding God? That's a, that's a Bible story. It's the Tower of Babel right there. And God's like, well, we're not going to do that. You know, These stories are things we never, ever outgrow. Uh, the breath of God is something we need our whole lives. Uh, it, and it's, by the way, why we want to teach the kids in the kids wing and at youth group. And, and it's why we want to receive the scriptures every single Sunday here. But my hope is that we would keep these patterns in our lives. Um, maybe you're in the room this morning uh, and you're 35 and you're, you're adulting, which is like you have a mortgage and a kid or two, you know? Or, or maybe, maybe you're 58 and you're fa fairly settled. Maybe you're, you're 58 and the, the 401k is like mostly funded and you're doing real good and you finally got that new boat and uh, you're, you're empty nesting and you're dreaming mostly about like vacations. Or, or, or maybe you're 18 this morning and you're just getting started and you literally have no idea what you're going to do with your life. Maybe, maybe you're one of those things. Oh, here's what I want the church to know this morning. Whether you're 35, 58, or 18, or any other age, we all need a life in the scriptures. We all need contact. Um, here's, here's my tendency, real quick. My tendency is to downplay things I know as I get older. I don't know if you do this or not, but this is what I do. I sometimes downplay things as, as I get older. Uh, here's why. Because as I get older, 
I've noticed that I look for novelty. Is that something that we sometimes do? Like, like once you know something, you sort of, kind of become bored with what you know, and then you start looking for novelty? Well, maybe, maybe that's just me. How many of us in the room have ever gone to a, maybe a really fancy restaurant and had a meal where everything looks like art and is really tiny? You ever, you ever, you ever gone to one of those places where it's like, this is tortured food? Right? Everything is like they, they, they use those little stainless steel rings and they poured it in a ring and then they took it off and it like stays together and they poured a sauce around it. And then the plate is this big and the dish in the middle is like, you ever gone to one of those places? I recommend it. It's really fun and it's usually really delicious. Yeah. Novelty. It's, it's really, it's great. And as good as it is in that moment, I hope you realize that you can't live on artistic tiny meals. In fact, none of us do. None of us live on artistic tiny meals. Meals. Uh, what we need is the main and plain. I've told you all this before. Like, here's what I grew up on. I grew up on my mama's fried pork chops, green beans, sweet corn, and mashed potatoes. That's what I grew up on. And to this day, my favorite meal in the whole world, in the whole world, is my mama's thin fried pork chops, mashed potatoes, green beans, and corn. That's what you grow up on. That's the main and the plain. It's, it's not tortured. It's not tiny. The dishes are not big. It's not particularly fancy. And here's what I know. Everyone in here, if you came to my mama's house, you would smash that. You would smash that. You would be like, this is unbelievable. And, and there's no reviews, you know? Isn't that right, Mom? There's no Yelp reviews on Mama's house? No. There's no, there's no Yelp reviews. Uh, Mom has received zero Michelin stars. Uh, she has never been written up in the New York Times. And yet, and yet, it is the thing that grew me up and got me here. What we need what we need is the main and the plain. Oh, what, what we don't need is a steady diet of novelty. What we don't need is a steady diet of YouTube sermons that are amazing. What we don't need is endless playlists of, of worship music as good as it is that fills up our every waking moment. What we do need is the meat and the potatoes. We need the fried pork chops and the corn and the mashed potatoes of God's breath on our life, which is the Holy Scripture. Like every day, that's just what we need. That's what we need. So a question I've been asking myself lately is this. Not, not how much of what I'm reading makes me feel something. The question I've been asking myself lately is, how much of this do I even do? Different question, right? Not how much of this do I know, you know? Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, anybody can love people who love them. But here's what I say. Love those who persecute you. Pray, pray for them. Pray for them. Like, no, how many of you know that Jesus says love your enemies? Like we all know that. Now, how many of us have ever even attempted to love our enemies? 
Have we ever prayed for an enemy? Ever, even once, right? This is what I'm talking about. We have got to let go of the need for novelty, and we have to begin to ask ourselves, how much of this have I ever even attempted? You know? Um, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, do it in secret. You know? Like, I know those things. Now, how many of them have I done? Ever. Ever. You know? And here's what I know. If you wake up this week, and if I wake up this week, if we receive these stories, if we let the breath of God shape us, cause us to come alive, not be little mud men anymore, but become alive beings with a soul, we'll have opportunities to pray, to fast, and give literally this week and we wouldn't have to tell anybody about it and we could be formed by the story of God rather than the things that we're receiving all around us every day. Does this make sense? Yes. It's not what I know in my head. It's what I'm living in my life. Reese, one more time. Verse 17. Here's the purpose of the scripture. This is why we want to be filled with the breath of God so that we can be servants who know what to do. We want to be servants who know what to do. And look at the promise here, equipped for some good works. No, equipped for every good work. Equipped for every situation. That's how we do it. All right, Uh, today, today, um, maybe you're like, you know what? That's right, Pastor Adam. I want to have a life in the scriptures. I've done that before and they're they're missing from me. What do I do? Start anywhere. Literally start anywhere. If you want to start in Leviticus, go for it. I don't recommend it. It is God-breathed, but it may take you a minute to find it, right? It's like, you know, also probably don't recommend Revelation right up front, you know? It is God-breathed. You probably need help with that one, actually, a little bit. Uh, You know what you don't need help with? The Gospels. Read the life of Jesus. Start with Mark. It's the shortest, and he's always doing stuff. Uh, Mark is just immediately this and immediately that, you know? It's like, you'll even start to, I started praying for immediately. So after I started reading Mark as a younger guy, I was like, God, would you immediately do a thing or two to me? <laughs> like, yeah, start with Mark. It's the short. You want to read something fun? Just read First and Second Samuel, like the life of David. It'll blow your brain. It will blow your brain. You will not believe it's possible. You're like, how is this? Uh, you know another good one? Uh, Deuteronomy. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Great stories are in Deuteronomy. It's amazing. It's amazing. And by the time you get to Deuteronomy chapter 28, where Moses is like, where the Lord says to Moses, if, you, if, you'll, if you'll do what I say, I'll do this for you. And if you don't, and you'll be like, Lord. I'm telling you, sometimes I go back to those chapters and go, Lord, would you remind me of these things? I want to be blessed like this. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there's some places. First and second Samuel, start there. The gospel of Mark, the gospel of John. How are you not going to like the gospel of John? Like we've already read some of it this year. It's all poetry. Like the gospel of John is all poetry. Uh, you want to read something that's really short that'll, that'll like convict you like every single paragraph? Read first John. Read first John. First John says like things like this. Uh, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, you don't know God. You're like, wow, I feel that, you know? Sounds like something that God would say, and I need to hear, right? Yeah. Start anywhere. Uh, get an app. There's a zillion apps. You can get a Bible reading plan. I've got this one thing where it just emails me every morning the scripture I'm supposed to read. Like, I don't even have to make a decision. 
Because here's what I know. I, I'm bad at making decisions. So I just get an email every morning and it says, and it has the verses in it. I just read those verses. You know, that's what I've been doing lately. Or get an app on your phone. Stare into the black mirror. Yeah. All right, y'all. We're going to worship to close this meeting out. And um, we'll have a prayer team up here if you need some ministry as well. Why don't you stand? Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.